Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. I have the outstanding Amy Cisse, and she is the CEO of Cisse IT Solutions. And I wanted her just to share her story because when she told it to me, I couldn't believe it was real. And I'm excited to be able to share it to everyone who's listening out there or watching this. So, Amy, let me not steal your thunder. Would you mind giving us some background into your journey and how you got into your first position? Sure. Thank you for having me, first and foremost. Um, so I am from the Washington, D.C. area, born and raised. My family is from Sierra Leone, West Africa. So as you can imagine, um, you know, growing up was a little different <laughs> than my peers. Um, but I think that the differences help to shape who I am today. Um, I think there's two uh, prominent um, memories that I can have um, that kind of transcended into my experiences now. Um, so the first one was around just um, my some people in my family, you know, they they kind of thought that I was a little too Americanized. Right. Um, but then you would have um, maybe some uh, black people that I would uh, interact with who would, or, or just meet who would say, um, you're, you know, you're not African enough. <laughs> right. Or wow, I can't believe it. And so I, there's like this. I had to get to a point where I didn't feel the need to fit into anyone's ideas of who they thought I should be or how, how I should speak or how I should sound um, when I'm trying to speak, you know, a uh, Creole. And so, yes, it sounds very Americanized. <laughs> and so um, I think that kind of just transcends into like just being in the tech industry and being the only black person sometimes or the only female on the team and just being OK with it. And I think that, uh, you know, my family coming here in the 70s, I just had to figure out a lot of things on my own. Um, especially with college, it was, you know, just figure it out. Um, and I did. And, uh, even with, you know, just, um, uh, as it relates to starting a business, it was me just figuring it out. I'm still figuring things out till until today. So, um, so those are the two most prominent, uh, memories that I could have, um, and how it relates to where I'm at now. No, that's awesome. And um, the, the funny thing for me is I can relate to that. My family is from Barbados, you know, the Caribbean island. As you can tell, I have no Caribbean accent at all. So when I go back to Barbados, they, you know, they're like, you're American. And then when I come, you know, and then when I'm back in America or like I live in Buffalo now and I'm from Brooklyn, right? They're like, you don't have a New York City accent. I'm like, well, I don't know. This is the way I talk, right? So it's that 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 balance. And similarly, like my parents, when I went to college, luckily my older brother went, so he was able to kind of help me a little bit. But in terms of in tech, I had to figure out my own kind of lane, right? Because you know I wasn't a traditional tech person. A lot of my tech people got computer science backgrounds. They probably phenomenal in math. I was okay in math, but I went to more IT and marketing routes. It was like a two things you don't hear go together is IT and marketing, right? So I had to kind of find my own lane, but it was definitely hard trying to do that juggling. But I guess I got to a point in my career and my life to say, I'm just going to be me at all times. And uh, I'm just going to figure it out, right? And that's similar to what I'm doing now. So that was fantastic. And it, it also gets into the next question. What was the educational path? Because 
um, your owner. And when we talk, you're very technical. So you got the gift of soft skills and tech skills. So how did you get to where you are today? Um, so I remember, so um, I would say one of the most pivotal pivotal uh, experiences that I had was just from the beginning where I did, I was able to have internships in high school um, at NIH. And um, the first tech job that I had, well, I did an internship in college as well at the Naval Research Lab, which was definitely helpful with me kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, whether it was building websites as a developer or um, writing code as a, as a programmer. And so um, when I you know, finished college, I think both of those experiences um, helped me to understand uh, the career path I wanted to go down. So I knew it was gonna be around developing, writing code. Um, and because I had previous experience with NIH, then this tech company, it was like easy for them because they were a government contractor. I already had that um, experience with the agency. And so um, for, and so I, so I had my master's, bachelor's and master's in computer science, a lot of IT certifications. <laughs> and um, I, I, I worked at a number of different jobs um, and that's easy to do in the tech industry, right? You can kind of hop around as much as you want, as long as you have the skills, right? Yeah. Um, I remember just feeling like, you know, I'm kind of over hopping around um, after I had a year of interviewing, whether they didn't like me or I didn't like them, like the company, it just wasn't working out. So I had to take a moment and pause and say, just because you think you're supposed to do it this way, it doesn't mean that that's the way that you're supposed to do it. So maybe you need to come up with some other thoughts and ideas and strategies for what your next steps are going to be. Um, and that's when I started thinking about actually doing training on the side. It was SharePoint training. And I really loved it. And I figured out how to get some 1099 contract work. And that's how I started the business. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a really, I think that's a, that's a really cool story because you started off in, you know, going to school for it. You got your bachelor's and your master's. And then one thing you talked about is certifications, because, you know, one time I run into people like I already got my master's, so I'm done learning, but they don't realize that's where the learning begins. You know, I end up getting my bachelor's and haven't gone back to my master's, but consider getting my MBA possibly. Um, but I've been taking certifications as well. And even that's why I started this channel, right, to give back, to train, to educate, um, to get more people in the field, because. You know, I've moved through my career a lot to different roles until I got to Microsoft now, where I like it a lot. Um, but, you know, I still like to do my other outside activities. But, you know, in tech, as long as you got the skill set, you can do those things. So um, that was pretty awesome. So I guess I got a question for you is someone who getting started in their career. Right. Maybe they don't have the computer science background. Is there a place for them in tech? And oh. and and I guess my last question is what would you have told yourself earlier in your career with the information that you have now? What conversation would you have? So those are two separate questions, but. Yeah, so I definitely think that no matter who you are, if you want to get really good in tech, definitely just self-study. Yeah. Um, lots of videos, there's tons of conferences, there's tons of meetup groups where you can learn so much information. And um, the certification exams also give you some credibility. Um, and so 
you know, I was thinking about when you said um, uh, something about school with the master's program, people think that that's it. I thought the same thing. Like, I'm never going back to school <laughs> over this. This is like overwhelming. But I just passed the MS 100 and the MS 700. Um, that was, uh, it was actually a requirement for all of us um, to, and I said, you know what, let me just do it too. Let me take those certification exams. Yes, it was excruciating, but um, once you get past it, there's that sense of relief and just joy that you've gotten it done and you don't ever have to do it again yeah. with those, you know, specific exams. So, um, I mean, technology is changing all the time. So it's like you, there's, there's, you can't get stale, right? If you get stale, then that means that you're not going to grow in your career. You may stay where you are, but you're not going to have any growth. And so you don't want to put yourself in a position where you don't really have options and you're not growing and you're not climbing, and you're not reaching this next level. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something and um, right before you answer the next part of the question is you talked about not growing, right? And that's a big thing in this field. Like if you have the itch to learn, the information is there. Most of it is free. There is some paid training you can do, but there's so many options that you can learn through the vendors, right? Um, even if self-plug, you go to my website, I got free study guides for a lot of the Microsoft certifications because I realize sometimes people don't know how to get started or they don't have a plan how to study. Um, and I, I used to struggle all the time, failing tests because I didn't make a good plan in the beginning that saves me so much time. Um, but um, yeah, you can definitely do it. Um, and it stops you from getting stale. And it, it's okay. It all depends on what your goals are. If you want to do the same solution for a while, that is possible. But what happens when that changes, right? Uh, what happens when the, um, the industry evolves? Because eventually it will. Will you have the skill set to be able to command what the market is um, has for your skills? And I try to do that before I need them. Um, I remember um, I was good at virtualization, right? And I was like, man, this is great. But I started realizing the VMware, Hyper-V is always getting saturated. So I'm like, man, security seems hot. Let me go learn that before I need to. And I was able to get new jobs there. Then I got a job where it was like, they kept talking about cloud and buckets and containers and like Synapse databases. I'm like, what are you even talking about? So I'm going to go learn that. Then I was able to get paid more. And then, you know, like even in my job now, like I focus primarily, like I'm taking MS-700. I'm studying for an SC-100 um, actually right now. Um, to get that certification, but I'm starting to see data creep up a lot um, and power platform creep up, I'll creep up a lot. So I'm like, you know what? These are on to dockets for me to do later, right? Because I think these could help me um, going forward because I'm not a coder, but some of these, um, these um, you know, drag and drop platforms are good. Like I remember I was a web developer in college and then I saw Weebly come out, Wix come out and Squarespace. I'm like, hold on, I might not have a job in the future. I might, I might need to get some backup skills, right? And I see that. I'm not saying that's going to eventually happen for all code, but I'm starting to see this no code wave starting to pick up with some more steam. So let me learn that for someone who doesn't code, right? Because my friends who do code say that's more work, but someone who doesn't code to me is like, is I can get in the game, at least help out, right? So, um, but again, as I say, I think you, you said a lot of good things. I just wanted to share that is I get a lot of questions, especially on TikTok or Instagram where I'm talking to your younger youth. And I'm like, it's not too late, right? You can learn now and you can outlearn myself. Right. You know, so because usually you got time when you're a little bit younger. Right. You know, so you can you can learn now and it's free. So um, I know the next question was what other advice would have given yourself earlier in your career? Speak up for yourself. OK, so um, I just remember times in the especially early on in the tech industry, I was very shy. 
um, very reserved. And I remember this, this instance where a project manager came onto the team and I remember feeling slighted because it was a team of developers and I was the only one that actually knew several programming languages and scripting languages and how to connect them with databases, uh, applications with databases. Um, but I was ranked at a lower level than people who had more years of experience, right? And so, and it, and it could have been a teachable moment for him to understand that there's other factors that needed to be weighed in those types of decisions. Um, instead, you know, I said, all right, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, it's like making sure that you value what you're doing and letting people also letting other people um, understand your value as well. And I, I think I could add on that is I remember early in my career, um, my manager, I got promoted quickly. Right. Um, but I, I did all the certifications on weekends. I took on extra projects. And as a tech person, I took more on business projects. I could learn the strategy, the sales. So I got promoted. So my manager was like, well, it took me till I was 30, 35 to make a hundred thousand and you're already 25 or 26 and you want to make it already. I'm saying like, I don't see what's the problem here. You know, like what's, you know, cause before I'm very passive. I don't really say anything. I'm like, you know, I just reiterate like, well, I did everything you said on the checklist. Um, I got the experience um, for some of it and some stuff I got to learn. So I don't understand what else do I need to do to get to a hundred thousand? He's like, well, you need to wait the time. I'm like, time is the only requirement. Like to me, that don't make any sense. If I could do the role and I could get it done, let's figure it out. And I was in a pre-sales role. So I was like, you know what? Let's take the risk from you. Let's make sure my base is a little bit lower and put it in my commissions. You set the goals, hit the goals and I get my money. Everyone's happy. We can't do that. Right. And so I remember that was the first time I told myself, well, I know I should be making this. Maybe it's time for me to look elsewhere. So then that's when I ended up looking elsewhere and I was able to get what I wanted. But it took, you know, earlier in my career before that, I usually would have say, okay, let me just wait and buy my time. But if you really have the skills, you got to be able to speak up for yourself because people will speak over you. They will try to dominate if you don't say something. That doesn't mean I got apprehensive. I, I mean, I didn't get, um, I didn't raise my voice or get loud or yell. I just stated the facts. And I make sure even now when I'm in my, my manager roles, what do you need to be successful in your role as my manager? And what do I need to be doing to get to the next level? So I'm like a 63 at Microsoft, next role for a senior, senior role, like a 64. I'm like, all right, what I need to do? I've been doing a year for a year. I know I need a little bit more time, but what things do I need to show you to show you that I'm ready for this next role, right? So now that we can build it out in each of my calls, I make sure to have those conversations. And then when we get there, and now if I still didn't get it, I'm like, hey, we, we did everything we were supposed to do. Oh, maybe it's a downturn in the market. That makes sense. It might not increase. You may have to wait a little bit, right? Um, but then you got to make a decision afterwards. So I thought that was really great um, that you just talked about that because I'm very passive. Um, I'm a person who speaks for itself. But sometimes you realize you got to speak up or people will walk all over you. Um, and, um, and there's graceful ways to do that um, depending on the situation. So. Now, I think that as a leader, too, that it's important to be to recognize that some people may not feel comfortable speaking up for themselves. And I think that as a leader, you have to create that space where people feel like their voices are being heard, especially if you go through something like that. You don't ever want to to recreate that same type of situation. 
And and as leaders, you have the chance to do something better and be different and be better. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I learned that even in my personal life. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more forward. I like just always been my personality. If I don't like something, I'm going to tell you. Right. But then I run into people who I could tell they don't like it, but they won't say anything. So I'm like, hey, did that make you uncomfortable? They're like, yeah. Right. Um, you know, and then I'm like, oh, well, let's let's make sure this person doesn't do that. Or did I do that? And I didn't know that, you know, so now I'm being better to say, like, I'm not forcing, you know, Amy to feel what to fit my way to make me comfortable. Right. Uh, I think that uh, that empathy, that self-reflection or you know, that awareness is important to make it a little bit like the, the workplace or just personal life in general, a little bit more comfortable being able to adapt because everyone doesn't isn't comfortable for confrontation. Right. Um, or being able to have those crucial conversations or those tough conversations. Um, but another question I wanted to get into is something that was very curious to me, um, because sometimes, you know, as someone who's looking at CEOs, I can only imagine how many emails you get a day. You got to manage that. I can't imagine the day to day that it takes a toll on being a founder and a CEO, because it's different being a CEO of a, a corporation that's been established and someone who's founding it, building it, and maintain overseeing it. So what's the day in, in the life of a founder? <laughs> My inbox is flooded with emails. And so um, I have an amazing team. You have you cannot do it alone at all. I mean, I had to do it alone for a long time in the beginning, but having help is just extremely important. I try to make sure that our clients and our partner companies are um, also including uh, my project manager and also my VP of operations on emails um, so that I don't miss them because I, because I will. And so um, I have had to really reflect and just refocus on my time. Um, I don't have a lot of it. And so, but I have to have this balance, right. Of, uh, being healthy um, and not being too stressed out mm-hmm. and making decisions. And no one ever told me um, how much paperwork, administrative duties come along with owning a business. I was focused in the beginning on providing technical solutions. And I still have to help people on the team with you know, maybe I might have um, background information on the the client's environment and I have to help them talk them through issues um, or sometimes um, just come up with like strategies. Um, and I have to think about the big picture. It's not just what we're doing now. It's about what we're doing in the future, providing that direction, having um, just great communication with the team and the clients. Um, and it's, it's, it's payroll, right? Making sure people get paid and making sure that these taxes are uh, filed and forms are filled out and um, all kinds of issues, <laughs> to be quite honest. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's um, having proper communication channels to make sure that the team has support, the client work is getting done. Um, I love processes. I love efficiencies. Um, I, we use teams heavily to make sure um, everything is stored in a central place. Um, it's 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 a balance. I've had to um, also, so I'm still billable too, right? Not eight hours billable, but um, I am still billable on certain contracts. 
because I want to make sure that um, everything's running smoothly the and people are being supported. But I did have to like limit the time that I'm working on the billable work, of course, versus the administrative work. And just I, I used to work 16 hour days and I had to stop. Um, and I used to think that I was superwoman. Right. Being able to, you know, I have a child. Um, you know, and I have to take care of me. And I was spending so much time focusing on the business um, that, you know, my body just shut down. And my my doctor was like, you just can't do that. And so I try to now limit my days to no more than eight hours a day. Um, for a while, I stopped working on weekends too. Um, and if I do work on the weekend, it may be just a couple hours, literally, um, because I have... Um, you know, heard of other stories of CEOs and founders who may have like health issues and because you're, or it's just not even those titles, but just people who work themselves to the ground where your body just can't take it anymore. And I, and I want to show up and be ready and available for my son and for myself. So boundaries and limits. I'm a boundaries person too. (laughs) I can say, no, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that is, uh, I'm glad you share that because I feel like sometimes we hear the glamour um, yeah. of the role. We hear, we see all the success. We see when a CEO doesn't make it or a founder doesn't make it, but we don't see the behind the scenes. Like I like the show, sh- the shooting of the movie, the stages, the acts, the, you know, the mental stress. How does that affect the family? Because I remember I switched from, you know, a large corporation to a startup and, you know, I was director of product marketing. You know, I went from working maybe eight hours a day, some days, six hours a day, to working 12 to 13 hours a day, every day. And then, you know, that company was based in um, um, Israel. So that's different time zones. I'm working on Sundays, on Saturdays, you know, so, it, and, and, I, and I just had my daughter at the time and, you know, I'm just losing it because I'm not spending time with my daughter. My wife is getting upset, you know, and I can tell my health is taking a toll because I'm not going to the gym. I'm not meditating. I'm just trying to get the stuff off the ground. I had to ask myself, you know, is it worth it? You know, right. like, you know, I could figure it out. You know, um, I was going fine. And then I was like, you know, what? let me just choose me. I'm out. Um, I ended up going back to a little bit larger of a company, you know, still did a good job there, but I chose me for then um, because I just knew like, Hey, for me, I want to be a fantastic dad, right? That's number one. Always wanted to be a dad. I don't care about anything else. I need to be able to get old and run around with those kids. So that's the main goal, right? And then um, from that, you know, everything kind of just took over. But that was just for me. Um, you know, even though, you know, I run, I got houses. Like I own businesses outside of work, right? So I like to work. That doesn't stop. But now I made sure it's non-negotiable. I go to the gym early in the morning. Except for today, my little my little guy had a cold at eight months. So I had to snuggle him a bit, but you know, I'm gonna enjoy those because one day I won't be able to snuggle him anymore. He ain't gonna want no hugs from dad, right? But um, I told myself, like, I'm not negotiable. Like, today I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna find time, even though I got things to get done, that my health is not negotiable, even for my wife. Like, she stays at home, but I tell I told my wife, I'm like, when you need to go to the gym, you go in the gym. And she tells me 6 a 6 p.m. she going to the gym. I don't care what I'm doing. I tell my team, don't schedule anything from six to eight. That's when my wife get her time out. She needs that time because that's that's what we need, you know, like bare minimum, right? So, or we just find ways to do it. But um, I can't stress enough that health aspect um, is that sometimes we work so hard, we get these degrees, we go to the next thing, then we forget the main thing that's paying the bills is our health, right? And right. Um, I've seen people who CEOs, like you said, 
who don't make it. I see um, like successful people who get who spend all their time working and they don't make it to their 30s, right? And then you go back, you see that they wasn't making good health decisions. So I can't stress enough the health part of it because um, it's, it's essential or even like mental health, right? You know, like take the time if your company offers that. Take anything you can, you know, go work out or whatever you do to de-stress. Like I write a lot in my journal. For me, I find that um, a way to deal with some of that stress, right? So just wanted to make sure I said that because sometimes we focus on the hard skills and all these things. But at the end of the day, we need time and we need our bodies, right? Right. Um, so, so this goes yeah. into the next quote. I'll go ahead. No, I was just going to say you brought up, um, you, you mentioned meditation yeah. and I actually started doing that about a year ago and it just really helps to, to just relieve the stress. Um, and I see myself also sometimes following some of those practices, like right before I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, I used to really, really struggle with sleep issues not really even connecting until later on down the road that sleep deprivation causes a ton of issues with your metabolism slowing down, gaining weight and having, and it even um, increases like the risk of heart disease. And so sleep is like the foundation. And if you're not getting that, it really, I see that it really takes a toll on my body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And I, and I, and I have a, 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 f- a five meeting max, um, that I try to do per day. And I had to incorporate this because one day on a Friday, I had 12 meetings. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and so if you can imagine, like you said, the mental toll, right? Yeah. So if you can't, you don't have a chance to like mentally shift. You don't have a t- chance to like mentally prepare. You're just jumping from meeting to meeting and you don't have time to eat. And that's not good either. And so, yes, last week I had seven meetings and nine meetings in a day. And, and I have to refocus, right, and move some things around because you just can't do it all. Right. Yep. And then that that's great. Like, even I put in my room right over here as a bike. So I just forced myself. I had 10 minutes between my call. I'm going to get five minutes on the bike um, right. just to get me to change. Or I run downstairs because I work from home and go see the kids, hug them, squeeze them, and come run back up, get something to eat for a bit just to break it or a bit or I found for me like sometimes you don't need to use an app or you know sit with your legs crossed and meditate I found like I like being near the water right you know I go by the water and just walk for a bit and it might just be 10 five minutes like 10 minutes you know or sometimes I could take my call you know some meeting especially with an individual contributor you're not talking on the call you just need to be on it so I just took my call and walked by the water you know so or you know even when I was in the office I would go outside for a bit walk around the, the building come back in just so I could get that uh, that time to think because sometimes those creative um, bursts come during those times anyway. So um, yeah, like uh, I'm glad that you that we're talking about it because I think it's something that should be talked about even more is that mental health because you're right. If you don't sleep, I remember when I wasn't sleeping at, um, I had a little bit, I had temper problems, right? Cause I'm like, I'm like, break, like little things that shouldn't get you upset. You're like, I don't want to hear that right now because I'm just trying to stay awake right now, you know? So I had to go deal with that. Then I had, a, had problems of this, falling asleep anywhere. Like I remember I was driving and, you know, and I just remember just the whole thing started getting foggy. I had to go pull over to go to sleep. <laughs> but what if I would have fell asleep, man, I would have hurt myself doing these things. So it was like, um, you know, we could push our bodies. You know, I know some people like to say, push your body to the limit and which is good at times, but um, if you continue to do it, it can have some long-term effects. So um, right. something that we kind of talked about a little bit, but I want to kind of still explore a little bit more what skills, um, do we need to be successful in tech 
I find out when I'm looking online because I love to, you know, nerd out, look at it. Y'all talk about certifications. Y'all talk about self-learning. I try to talk a little bit more about soft skills. But from your perspective, from a CEO and someone who hires people on a day-to-day basis or at least monthly basis, right, what do you look for in a tech? And I I know that's kind of generic because it's different from entry-level, mid-level, senior-level, executive. But um, generally, what if someone who's exploring to come into tech, uh, what should they be focused on? Is it hard skills primarily? Are you looking for soft skills? Or if someone's coming in, do you look for like intuition? Can do they have the grit, and you can build on the hard skills? Like like what? How do you look at that? Um, it 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 varies, um, especially when you mention level of expertise, right? So I do like when people um, are are. Uh, I guess the best way to put it is, um, is kind of they, when they put themselves into a number of different types of spaces in the tech industry to grow. So what I mean by that is that, um, I found, um, what I mean by that is I found some people who are maybe speakers at different events. Um, if you spend your weekend going to a Microsoft 365 conference all day on a Saturday. I mean, that shows some dedication, right? It shows that you're really interested in it. It shows that you like to geek out, right? And you like to go to these user groups and kind of feed off of each other. Um, And so it's that extra level of effort that speaks um, volumes. And one of the things that I'll say is um, this this person that I just recently brought on board, I was impressed with her because she was a legal secretary and she um, got a bunch of um, IT certifications and she is very driven. And that to me is impressive. And I, you know, it, you don't need to have sometimes like all the credentials in the world. Sometimes it's about just showing how motivated you are and, um, because that takes a lot of effort to be self-disciplined enough to say, I'm going to go do these extra things. Um, And it's about personality too. It's about rapport. It's about do our personalities kind of um, match in the sense of knowing that you'll go above and beyond, like I'm going to do for our clients without, you know, overwhelming yourself. But um, that dedication of, you know, I want to get this job done and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, growing and progressing um, for myself um, because that's going to shine through when, if you're passionate about something, it's going to speak volumes in your work. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, you said, I think you summed it up pretty well, man. That's like a mic drop moment right there is uh, um, I think sometimes people don't see the work that you do. Like sometimes I had a few friends who lost a job and having a hard time. I'm like, start, be, become a student again. Um, LinkedIn Learn. He's like, I don't have any money. I'm like, sign up for LinkedIn Learn and get the first 30 days. See how much you can learn in 30 days. I'm telling you, you, you got nothing but time because right now you're unemployed, right? So just learn as much as possible. Because if I was interviewing, I'm like, well, what did you do during the six months that you was unemployed? Well, I took um, six certifications. Oh, I found out Microsoft from virtual days give you a free voucher. So I ended up taking the AZ 900 for free. I reached, I went out to one of these uh, meetups um, and I started making connections. So now I'm also, let's uh, say, uh, AWS practitioner, right? You know, I got all these things on my own. Um, I just wasn't game, given a chance. When you buy time, you get to that interview. Now you got a story to tell. 
right? Or for myself, like me having a marketing background sometimes and the gift to gab, instantly, as soon as someone sees me, you're a sales rep. I'm like, well, I can. I don't mind selling, but I also am pretty technical, you know? So I got tired of having to keep saying it. So I made the YouTube channel and started showing it. Like I can configure all the stuff. I had a DL, I think 380 G5 in my rack in my closet. I had to set up, do all the stuff. Or like from when I worked at RSA. So then people knew I was technical, but I was also, I understand the business priorities. And that's kind of the way I did it. And I would spend weekends. Like I gave right. up summer sometimes. I'm like, you know what? I told my parents, I'm like, yo, I, I want to see y'all for a couple of summers. I'm, I'm hibernating for two months. I got these three certifications I got to get. I see y'all in the winter time, you know, and I went and got the certs. I made sure I went on LinkedIn and, you know, connected. Even when I met you at work, I reached out and said, hey, did you want to do this? But before I even did it, I'm like, hey, here's what I've done already. Like, this is not something I just thought of. It's been work that put into it. But um, I say these things is that sometimes you got to go the extra mile because you don't know who you're competing with. Right. And what I found is I'm competing with myself, but we, we got global candidate pools now. Right. So how do you stand now? How does someone like you, who is the founder and the CEO of a business, so each hire is critically important, right? Whereas right. like Microsoft or these large billion or trillion dollar companies can absorb a loss, right? right. Where, you know, so help, help them make the decision easy, right? And you don't need to have all the skill sets because I have one of my good friends who doesn't have a, a tech degree, who doesn't have only a little bit of college and out earns me in every way because this lady is phenomenal. Right. The way she studies, the way she builds um, accounts, the way she was in the detail, like she was just a superstar. And it showed because she's already a manager already. You know what I'm saying? And I think she almost said, I think she's a director now. Right. And she's way younger than I am. So I'm like, but I've seen that from the beginning. Right. So it all depends on your I guess my parents always tell me. If you decide that you can do it, you're right. If you decide you can't, you're right. Right. So if this is something you want, what are you willing to do? Um, and of course, do that within means. You know, I'm not saying to hurt yourself or anything or neglect yourself. But if you want it, there it's out there. Like I get online, they're like, slide. No one's not giving me an opportunity. I'm like, well, I just saw 3.8 million jobs open. Some of them, what, what can you do? Like I used to stay up. I, I still sometimes do that. Like I want to be a, a senior leader or a CEO one day. I got up here, kind of my key things that what skills I have and what skills I need to build and how can I go about doing that, right? Do I need to go get an MBA or can I do that organically some other places, right? I still have goals and where I want to go to. But um, yeah, I think sometimes we, f- we focus primarily on the technical skills, but not also sometimes the soft skills and that grit or that, um, that passion. Because um, you can see when someone's really passionate about something, you don't got to worry about, you know, like is Sly going to talk about tech? He created a tech show on his free time, right? You know what I'm saying? Like his free time, this is what I do. So you know I want to do it. Now you got to make sure I stay focused. That's another story. But uh, but those are things you can do. Um, And I guess this goes into the next question. What is your passion? Oh, yeah, it's all tech. (laughs) Well, there's tech. Um, I have another one, too, that I just thought about. But uh, the reason why tech is the primary passion is because, I mean, I just really love helping companies figure out how to make technology work better for them, like how it helps people do their jobs easier. Um, when I could solve a problem, come up with a solution, that to me is is everything. Um, it's very gratifying. And I am the person who I will... I don't give up until I figure out what the solution is. Um, I have this thing where I also dream about solutions. Um, 
this started back in college. Um, I used to love calculus. And whenever I would get stuck on a calculus problem, I would dream of ways to figure out how to solve the problem. That's amazing. And it happens to this day, last week. No, it was earlier this week, actually. There was something that I was trying to figure out and I had a dream about it. Jumped on my computer first thing in the morning and I just went and configured it. And I was like, there it is. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, yeah. I think that's to your point of sometimes solutions uh, come to you in those weird times or different times where you're not even in front of your computer. Yeah, because your mind is already thinking of that solution, right? My parents, when I was younger, used to say, instead of asking me, when I used to say I can't do something, they told me to say, how can I do it? And the fact right. that I asked myself, how can I? It changes the brain and it makes you look for solutions, right? And then that, that just shows your passion. Like, because since I was eight years old, I always loved computers. As soon as I saw it, like, man, I, t- I joked with my wife, that was my first love, was a computer when I saw it for the first time. Because I could do whatever I want in terms of getting out of my neighborhood. I could learn something new. I could learn a new technology. I could fix it. It was, it was just fun. And then I also found I love teaching about it right and i love to do it on my own way i didn't want to be necessarily a teacher but i I create these tools to help people to get better right i think technology even if you're not a technologist in a traditional sense it's taken over our whole lives all of us have a phone that we leverage right all of us use technology in some capacity right so even if you're not doing it from a day-to-day like solving solutions like you are or me like training people or even um implementing it right so you still can use it in your day to day. Like I, I remember one of my good friends, my wife sells elderberry syrup and a free plugin, Molly's elderberry.com. Go check her out. But uh, she sells elderberry syrup. She had to build a website, right? Then she also had to figure out how she's going to do um, global shipping, how the cost is. We do that through the website. We working on building her an app for a better ex- efficiency. She's not a technologist at all, but it helps her business. You know, right. one of my good friends is a speaker, a traveling speaker, but he has a website, he has apps, he use podcasts to reach more people, um, social media, a way we can meet. Again, all the f- simple invention as a phone. Now we got like, now we got FaceTime. Like, that's amazing. Like I can literally just call, I called my mom in Brooklyn the other day and I just talked to my cousin in Barbados and we could see each other. They could see my daughter. Like these inventions are like uh, transforming the way we live. So even if you're not a technologist, and you're just, you know, in some other type of field, how, if you learned a little bit, how can it make your job a little bit better or your life a little bit better? I have to tell you real quick about my second passion. Okay. Food. <laughs> I love to eat. I love to cook. Yeah. I love exploring different cuisines. Yeah. Um, th- that is my favorite past, my yeah, favorite pastime. <laughs> it's yeah. food. Oh, that's, and that's amazing. I can see that's something I love too, because my family's Barbados. So I grew up eating Caribbean food all the time. And I you know I grew up in Brooklyn. So then you get different food. You get from Italian, like in New York, you get anything you want. Then I had a whole bunch of friends who was Pakistani who thought I liked yeah. that food. That food is solid. Then my, my friends were Spanish. And I'm like, hold on, we got rice and beans too in Barbados, but y'all get a little <laughs> bit different with the seasoning. Then, you know, exactly. like, I just love it. Like, I just ate ramen again. Like, I love ramen. I go out, you know, and I was in um, Seattle at the Microsoft office and he had this amazing ramen spot. Like, I love it. Like, I'm learning how to get better. My wife and I started doing cooking together now. She brought in Italian. I brought in Caribbean. Fuse it all in one. You know, yeah, I love food, man. I can eat all day long. I should get paid to do that. I need to figure out how to do that. I'd probably be too big, though, if I did that. Well, I'm actually considering at some point in life, maybe, going to culinary school because that's how much I love it. So I watch cooking shows, everything. <laughs> can you share some 
favorite books or podcasts um, that really connected with you or resonated with you? So I have this book here. It's called Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits. Oh, that's and, awesome. yeah. yeah. And the reason why I like this book is because it helped me. So if you think about it, right, my background is technology. It's not financials. I had to learn to become better with financials for the business. Yeah. And so it helped me to actually create my income statements from scratch. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you really understand you know, your revenue, you understand um, your expenses, and it also helped me to calculate profit margins. So um, yeah, this book was definitely, it was referred to me by, um, I think a partner company, Microsoft partner company. Um, yeah. And it's definitely been very helpful. That sounds amazing because I, I think, again, when you in tech, we focus so much on the hard skills, but that skills, again, that would help him. Like I remember switching into a sales role one time and forecasting or um, yes. like balance sheet recognition. Like sometimes when I'm working with my customers, I had to do like a technical plan, how to go look at their 10K to figure out, all right, well, on your 10K, it says you want to invest in this area. So why aren't we building solutions in this area so we can make sure that your investors are happy? You know, mm-hmm. you never thought about it that way, right? But I didn't learn that in school. Like I taught that myself, you know, right. but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that book to my um, reading collection ASAP because I never read that book. Yeah. Um, there podcast that um, I like. It is the um, Microsoft 365 Government Community Calls. And it's actually hosted by AdPoint in conjunction with um, some people at Microsoft. And it's very helpful because um, they talk about government-specific like releases and features because when you are uh, working in 365, the way that features are released to government clouds are different than the commercial clouds. And so sometimes you may see there's an announcement about a new feature, but then you're going to check government and it's not there yet. And so this um, podcast is really helpful with shaping like what's coming out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I believe uh, someone on the team's um, product group uh, is on is on those calls as well. And so um, they do a fantastic job also of just announcing um, their releases and they keep in, a, in line with um, commercial releases mostly. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, we get into the end. You know, I don't want to end because we're having a great conversation. So before we end, I have two questions. Is A, what causes are you or charities that you spend your time on? Would you want to give them a shout out at the end? Um, and then the last question is how can the audience contact you after this? Sure. So I work with this um, nonprofit called Learn Serve International. Um, it's a really cool um, organization because they work with um, high school students in the DC area to help them become entrepreneurs. Um, so I've worked with them for years, served in roles as a mentor or um a judge at their pitch competitions. Um, the students are usually working on their ventures um, around social um, social impact. And so um, they're global causes sometimes, or um, maybe they're local to their communities, um, but they really do a fantastic job with helping to build up the high school students um, to become entrepreneurs. All right, sweet. That's awesome. I make sure to put that in the show notes. Um, so our listeners and our viewers, and um, check it out. Thank you. And last but not least, um, I'm on LinkedIn and also Twitter. Um, I get a lot of LinkedIn requests, so please add a note <laughs> if you um, reach out to me 
um, and reference this podcast. Sweet. Well, that is it. It has been a, my pleasure. Um, you know, I'm always thrilled just to listen to your story, Amy, because I feel like uh, just you accomplished so much. And I, I can't wait to do part two in the future because I know you're going to conquer some more mountains. Right. Um, so, again, thank you for joining. And I, I'm glad I had you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Sly Gittins and Amy are out. Peace.